1: Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God.
0: And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed. Song of the
1: redeemed. Thank you once again for tuning into our Tuesday edition of the podcast. We're certainly thankful for each of you that listen each and every day. Uh, those of you that are listening early in the morning on this Tuesday ought to pray for those traveling to Cape Verde. And, uh, by the time this podcast uploads, they should be landing in Lisbon. They'll have a layover of quite a few hours, then head on down to Cape Verde from there. So pray for those folks. Pray for Zach Vernon. He'll be doing some preaching over there. Pray for the kid family, that's the missionaries in Cape Verde, and that the Lord will bless that trip and that journey. Also in two days, we'll begin our meeting in Shingle House, Pennsylvania, the Grace independent Bible Baptist Church. And we're looking forward to what the Lord is going to do in Shingle House. And we thank the Lord for Pastor Seeley, his family, the folks there are inviting us to come. I'm having a bit of an affliction right now. And so my voice is a little bit weak and my lips are having trouble forming words. And so just pray that the Lord will help me in these days to come. I'm going to talk a little bit slower than I normally do on the podcast because of that. And so just pray for us. But pray for the means of Shingle House. We get on Thursday, will also be on a Friday night. We'll be then on Saturday morning at 10 o'clock. And uh, another pastor locally and I will be preaching, Lord willing, and then a Saturday evening and then all day on Sunday. The following week, then we'll be at the Black Creek Baptist Church in Black Creek, New York. I believe each evening at six o'clock, Monday through Friday. And they'll also have a guest preacher on Thursday night, in addition to myself, And uh, then Pastor Roger Hain will be preaching on Wednesday night in addition to myself. So we look forward to those meetings. There'll be quite a bit of preaching packed in and how we rejoice that the Lord has given us this opportunity. And so pray for the services, pray for each one. And we're going to begin Psalm 137, going to Psalm 138 today. But before I go too far in Psalm 137, 138, I want to say that I've researched a little bit and I finally have conceded, okay, I can go look at other references and look in other places uh, concerning Messianic Psalms, what I found out is that most do not see Jesus Christ in the Psalms, as I have seen and I believe in some places have proven. One man said there are 16 Messianic Psalms, either in full or in partiality. He points out the obvious, Psalm 16, Psalm 18, Psalm 22, and uh, parts of Psalm 34, parts of Psalm 44, and he and he gets, he ends that in Psalm 118. And he said the last Messianic Psalm, Psalm 118, it goes to the portion there that we have also talked about is certainly speaking of Jesus Christ. But I believe there's so much more. I believe as we go further in these Psalms, and I don't want to do injustice, and I don't want to go too far. I don't want to stretch these too thin. I don't believe that we've gone too far to grieve God at this point. And I certainly hope that's the case. And yet there's those that are not convinced still that these verses are about Jesus Christ. But I remind you of this in the volume of the book, he said, it is written of me, that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when we look at these Psalms, especially if we go to Psalm 138, we're going to see a lot of the keywords we speak of. And we speak of these keywords being uh, clues to the fact that the Psalm may be of Jesus Christ. Uh, some of these words are soul, the word cry, the word hell, the pit, the deep. And places like that. And we see that continually because there's a consistency through the Psalms. When we see those things, we realize that he's speaking of the body of Jesus Christ, the soul of Jesus Christ, that Holy One, of course, we know is Jesus Christ. And one of the things I found out as I began to do a little bit more research is that a lot of the Protestant writers do not see the Holy One as Jesus Christ. And I, I'm almost befuddled by that. I'm almost confused by that. And uh, I don't understand why men won't take... a uh, the opportunity to expound on Jesus Christ, it could be they're limited by doctrine, could be they're limited by their teaching, it could be they're limited by their religious structure, But they're afraid to go out on the limb and just say, this is Jesus Christ. And when you pray for the McVeigh family, pray that we will never limit God in those areas. Pray that we will never limit him, where we say, you know what, I'm afraid to say this, I'm afraid what my peers will think, I'm afraid what uh, the preachers will think, I'm afraid what the people sitting there will think. Maybe they won't see this as Christ. And do not be afraid expound, and if I see it's Jesus Christ, to simply say, this is Jesus Christ. And that's one of the things that I believe men need to do today. You take the truth of the word of God and say, this is exactly what that means. Look at Psalm 137, we see the children of Israel in Babylon. Uh, what do we see there? They're longing for Jerusalem. Why are they longing for Jerusalem? Because that's where that holy hill is. That's where Mount Zion is. That's where the temple of God was. And he deals with that, goes on about the temple in Psalm 137. And he says, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. The first thing they remember was Zion, uh, that mount that God has established, that place where Abraham uh, went to offer his son, that place where David, of course, called down and prayed, and God sent fire from heaven to consume his sacrifice there on the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. That place also where Solomon then built the temple of God. That's the place that they longed for. In verse 2, he said, we hang our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. Why? They're in there where the Tigris, Euphrates, rivers are. Great rivers and great willow trees. They hang their harps on the willows. They would not play those harps because they're in captivity. They're in bondage. He said, for there they carried us away. Captive required of us a song. And they wasted us, required of us mirth." Saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. They wanted them to be in mirth. And they said, No, we hung our harps in the willow trees there. Why? Why did they hang their harps in the willow trees? They were not going to play the Lord's song in a strange land. He says that in verse four How should we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? And they wanted them to entertain them. They wanted these Jews, as they brought them into captivity, to entertain them. They wanted their songs to be entertainment. There's a whole message there today, a whole message about the whole gospel music movement today those songs and by the way for me to sing some of those songs in some of those events and venues would be a strange land but it's just entertainment today it's a form of just appeasing people it's Christian so-called entertainment whether it's plays or music or shows or you know they have marketed Christianity to people in such a vague form of Christianity they deny the power of God he said from such turn away but Yet some folks, that's the focus of their life. That's what they do. They go to shows and entertainment and they go into strange land and listen to the songs of the Lord in the strange land. And that's the flavor of today's ministry. That's the common common maxim, if you will, that we see across America today. And people have too much money, is what they have, and they spend their money on entertainment. And so they call it Christian entertainment. It's like Christian football, Christian basketball, Christian ping pong. I mean, market what you will. You know, you can sell pool balls with Jesus saves on them and, and have no gambling sign hung up and called it a Christian pool. And people would come because it's Christian pool. I saw a church that had a Christian wrestling program. Well, when they were in captivity, they wouldn't sing those songs in a strange land. They hung up their harps. They were mourning, they were in sorrow. We ought to be in sorrow. We ought to be in mourning for what's taking place in our nation, what's taking place in our churches, what's taking place across the board, even in Protestant religion today, let alone in the Baptist faith today, what's taking place, we ought to hang our hearts, we ought to mourn, we ought to sorrow. He said, if I forget thee, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget her cunning. And he says, if I do not remember thee, let my tongue cleave to the roof of my mouth. If I prefer not Jerusalem above my chief joy. And so he said, Lord, if I don't remember Jerusalem as I ought to, it ought to be my chief joy. Why? It's a place where God is. That's a place where the temple of God is. That's the place when they left, God was there. And now when they return, God is not there. It's not the house of the Lord anymore. They got to continue to wait. Even today, they're still waiting for that to return. He said, remember, O Lord, the children of Edom in the day of Jerusalem. Who said, raise it, raise it, even to the foundations thereof. So he's calling the Lord to remember those that want to destroy the temple of God. And by the way, God does remember, and God is going to remember, and God will continue to remember. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? But woe unto those who destroy those foundations. Woe unto those that try to undermine the work of God. Woe unto those that call good evil, evil good. There's a woe to them in the scriptures because they're not doing the work of God, but yet many of them are religious, many of them are zealous. O daughter of Babylon, who art to be destroyed, happy shall he be that rewardeth thee if thou hast served us. Happy shall he be that taketh and dasheth thy little ones against the stones. That's the daughters of Babylon. Why? Because they've taken God's people captive. They've required a song of them in a strange land. Psalm 138, a psalm of David, we'll move on to the next psalm, eight verses here. I will praise thee with my whole heart before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. Now, Timothy said it on this wise, Paul writing to young Timothy, he said there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. So when he said there's one God, I hear that taken out of context. There are still many gods. I've been to foreign nations and seen their gods. I've been to other nations and watched them worship their gods and go in the temple where their gods dwell. They are gods of wood, hay, stone. They are gods of gold. They are gods of silver. They have mouths, but they do not speak. They have arms, but they do not heal. And they do not touch. They have eyes they cannot see. That's the gods of man. That's the gods that he speaks of here. I will praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. There is one God, the creator. Every religion has a God. Every person has a God, whether it's themselves or the idols of this world, the gods of this world. There is one God that is a creator of all things. We know him by the scriptures. It's the only way to know this God. So he said before the gods, that's plurality. Before all these false gods and all these other gods, he's going to praise him with his whole heart. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth, for thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Again, magnifies to make to appear larger. It doesn't actually make it larger, it just makes it appear larger, as magnification does. That's when you put an ant under a microscope, you magnify it twenty times. You see its mandibles and its little eyes and It's antennae twitching, and the smallest ant can be magnified where you can see it clearly. And that's what he's requesting here, that we magnify thy word above all thy need, because that's what the Lord has done. And yet this word today is so small and so minuscule to people because men have corrected and denied it and lied about it and said it says something other than what it says, and people have no confidence in the word of God. It appears small to them, yet it meant so much to God that he magnified it above his own name. And I believe that's what we ought to be. We ought to magnify the word of God above the name of Jesus Christ. And people say, well, how can you separate the two? Well, that's the whole point. You can't. Amen. He is the word. In the beginning, was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And so you cannot separate the two. But God himself, he said, "Thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name, that men would see the word of God and come to Jesus Christ by faith, believing God. You and I need to magnify that word. We need to magnify this word. Jesus is such a loose word today with people. Jesus is such a a, a simple word today. It means nothing to people today. Uh, when they hear the name of Jesus, it's it's flippant to them. It's indifferent to them. People are so religious, not just taking his name in vain, in the religious sense. Jesus, 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 what would Jesus do? Real men love Jesus. You see bumper stickers, t-shirts, placards, necklaces, earrings. I mean, all of those things, but his word, where's the focus? His word, the word of God, and to magnify that word that men would see the word of God, that they might believe the word of God, but that's lost today. I will worship to thy holy temple. And praise thy name for thy loving kindness. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Yet that word has been magnified. In verse three, the day when I cry, thou answerest me and strengthenest me with strength in my soul. In verse four, he says, all the kings of the earth shall praise thee, O Lord, when they hear the words of thy mouth. And so it's not just the name of Jesus, but at the name of Jesus, we know that every knee shall bow things of heaven, things of earth, and things under the earth. And every tongue shall confess, it's an absolute, it's a must, it's going to be, why that Jesus Christ is Lord, the glory of God the Father. There is a name above every name, the name of Jesus. But again, it's so flippant today. It's so callous today. It means nothing to people today. And the word of God means nothing to people today. But how will they know who Jesus is without the word? How will they know the Jesus Christ of the Bible without the word of God? You watch, you don't have to watch. I watch some of these evangelical shows on, on uh, video platforms. And when I say shows, they call them church services. And they'll have a big service and people will come and profess faith. And they'll ask them, say, what just happened to you? And they'll say, oh man, I believe God today. And they say, oh man, I fell in love with Jesus today. And what happened to you today? Oh man, I met Jesus. I saw Jesus. I saw, I mean, did not a man see a, you know, 90 foot Jesus out of his airplane window. Uh, I met a man years ago, saw 20 foot Jesus in his bedroom. And I love what the preacher said that day when a man told us that he said, well, how tall is your bedroom? My goodness. And I, I've seen God's people, people that name the name of Christ who got all hung up on a little golden crucifix and all a sign that God sent from heaven. You know, they just love Jesus. Oh, what Jesus did for me, what Jesus, but yet not one of them believes the word of God. They speak that name, and I do love the precious name of Jesus. His name is wonderful. I'm not trying to discredit his name. I just tell you, we're in a day when men, they use the name of Jesus, and they throw out the name of Jesus, but it's void of the word of God. They don't know who Jesus Christ of the Bible is. They have a Jesus, lowercase j. They have a God, lowercase g. But they don't have the Christ of the Bible. Without the Christ of the Bible, you have nothing. There is no hope. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest brain. People have epiphanies more than they have God. They have experiences more than they have the new birth. And they have an experience they've experienced. They call it Jesus, but it's without the word of God. And that's why people are in a mess today. That's why homes are destroyed in religion today. That's why families are rent to pieces in religion today. It's why marriages fail in religion today. Because they have a form of Jesus Christ, a form of godliness, but there's no power in it. Because they don't have the word of God. They don't believe the word of God. Verse 5, yea, they shall sing in the ways of the Lord. For great is the glory of the Lord. Though the Lord be high, yet hath he respect unto the lowly. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But the proud he knoweth afar off. Now, there's some verses here that I've often looked at. Is most of the Psalms have these as messianic. I don't particularly see this Psalm explicitly as messianic. It could certainly be David. It also could be Jesus Christ, speaking of the word, speaking of himself. He says, though the Lord be high, yet he hath respect unto the lowly. But the proud he knoweth afar off. That's a doctrinal statement. That's a statement concerning pride. God resisteth the proud, but he gives grace unto the humble. Do I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Thou shalt stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of mine enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. There's is another one of those key words, the right hand. What is the right hand of God? It's the person of Jesus Christ. He's that strength of the right hand. There's deliverance in the right hand of God. So again, we see this as messianic. No doubt that's Jesus Christ. And so is the whole thing messianic? I don't think so. Are there snippets of it, there are, because that right hand of God, primarily in the Bible, is Jesus Christ. That's why Stephen, being stoned, he looked into heaven, saw Jesus standing on the right hand of God. That's where deliverance comes. That's the strength of God. That's the arm of his salvation. And when he talk about who had believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed, who is it? It's Jesus Christ. And so we see, again, in this psalm, we see Jesus Christ. Absolutely. We see him high and lifted up. And I thank God for that, that God's revealed that to us in Psalm 138. Thy right hand shall save me. Why? Because it's Jesus Christ. So therefore, this psalm absolutely is messianic. It's not about Calvary. It's not about prophecy. It's not about revelation. But it's about the right hand of God. But it's also about the word of God, which is Jesus Christ. And so again, we see that in the volume of the book, it is written of me. What a glory that is. What a joy that is. It doesn't have to be prophecy. It doesn't have to be end times. It doesn't have to be the birth of Christ. It doesn't have to be the suffering of Christ. It doesn't have to be the resurrection of Christ. But what it does have to be is the person of Jesus Christ. And in this case, he's speaking to that one which is to come. He is speaking of Jesus. David, again, he saw the Lord, and therefore he speaks of him. He knows deliverance is in the right hand of God. He knows deliverance comes from someone else, a man can't deliver himself. Jesus Christ is the only deliverer. That's why I'm not trusting an epiphany. I'm not trusting my experience, yet I had an experience. I'm not trusting my memory to go back and and to do everything that happened that day I got saved and try to hash that again, make sure that I did everything right, because I can't trust my memory. What I'm trusting is the word of God through the right hand of the deliverance that comes in Jesus Christ. The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endureth forever. Forsake not the works of thine own hands. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the Lord Jesus Christ. His name is above every name. His name is the highest of all names. Yet the Lord magnified his word, even above his own name. How about we magnify the word of God? Why don't we convince people that Jesus Christ is alive, that Jesus Christ is real, that Jesus Christ truly did suffer, that Jesus Christ truly was buried after his death, that he did rise again. But why don't we convince them of this? He did it according to the scriptures, the blessed word of God. Have a great day.
0: There is a lost soul who is tired of his sinning. are singing the